Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. The Australian Open is done and dusted, and we are on our way to Roland Garros. That's right. The countdown is back, and this one is going to be a super special episode. Isn't that right, JG? Yeah, we thought we would speak about the sensation from Italy, Yannick Sinner, and his rivalry with Carlos Alcaraz. We've got Rafael Nadal playing Roland Garros. Can he do another miracle? And Novak Djokovic, maybe with a point to prove of some people writing him off in 2024. We're going to discuss it all on this episode of The Countdown. So sit back, grab yourself a cold drink or a hot drink, and welcome to The Countdown. Yes, the countdown is back. It feels like a long time since we got to do one of these, JG, but I'm super excited. The last Grand Slam, it finished in such an emphatic way, especially on the men's side. And that's what we're here to talk about today. And looking forward to the next slam. It is Roland Garros. I can't wait. And before we go anywhere, anybody listening to this, make sure to join us for every Countdown episode. Hit a like on every video. Subscribe. JG, this is it. It's your slam, this next one. It's Roland Garros. Yeah, let's start with a bit of personal talk. I know we like to get into the tennis early doors, but there's a few things I want to ask you, and that is how's your new job been going? Because I know you've started a new job. I've started a new job. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I am. It's nice to be learning something new and uh, putting myself to the test on a daily basis. Uh, How about yourself? Yeah, it's not bad. I'm getting used to it now, slowly. Um, it was a bit frustrating all happening during the Australian Open, but um, I feel like I'm in a good place now. And it's even better because I've got some good news about my eyes. I thought I'd share with everyone, and that is that my vision 
and my eyes have fully healed over after the surgery I had during the US Open. And that means I now have 2012 vision. So I should be able to watch Roland Garros this year with the best vision I've ever seen any tennis event. You'll be able to see every vein on Rafa's bicep <laughs> as he is crushing one of those forehands uh, down the line, I'm sure. Uh, I'm excited for you. I think it's fantastic. Uh, obviously, you spent all of these years watching through some lenses. Now, it's improved your uh, tennis game on the court and you get to watch it down the pub, wherever you want to watch it. And you don't well, have I'm to excited ask me what for, the our score trip, is. for our GTL trip we do every year where we can go to watch live tennis, hopefully in somewhere warm, and I'll be able to watch it without having any glasses on. So that is uh, a bit of a landmark for me. Maybe someone who's watching camera late at home, but enough of that. Let's get into the <laughs> countdown. And the big news is we have 112 days to go until Roland Garros commences. We have a few hardcore events before. We've got, of course, Indian Wells. We've got Miami. Um, we have the return of Djokovic in America, which is going to be interesting. Nadal, I've seen, is also on the entry list, so I'm not sure how he's going to be playing. Of yeah. course, his big target will be Roland Garros. I think he's he's not going to be as focused in some of these events prior. Um, for him, if he can just reach some kind of level, that would be awesome without being feeling injured again. But the big thing is, of course, 112 days. And we're going into it with, I think, a bit of an open field. Uh, in the past, we go into slams and we say Djokovic is probably going to win it. If he doesn't, Nadal's been looking really good. He can probably win it. And if them two are struggling, it's going to be Alcaraz or Medvedev. But now we have a new name in the field. And what a name he is. He's sort of taken the world by storm. He's been... A slow burn, some might say, over the past two, three years. But we've watched him grow and he's just incredible. I mean, I don't know what there is to say about Yannick Sinner that hasn't that has already been said. I've brought a few stats to the table for this episode that we uh, that we will go through because there's so many people tweeting about it and this new potential rivalry, and there's a lot of people that are sort of split. The Alcalaz and Sinner rivalry. Some people are even saying, this isn't a rivalry. Sinner's much better now. Like, the, remember the talk last year that everyone was saying that Alcalaz was the one to beat, and now it's Yannick Sinner is apparently much better than him. People are getting a little bit carried away because it's just recency bias, the fact that he's just won the Australian Open. I've also seen what you're saying. I would say 80% online regarding this debate will say that Sinner is a better player than Alcaraz. And I don't know if you're going to bring up the initial quote where yeah. uh, you've got people questioning the mentality of them both and saying that Sinner's got a better, men a better mental side. So we've got here Paolo Bertolucci, a former Italian player, saying, in my opinion, Alcaraz is great technically, even physically, but mentally, he is light years away from Sinner. <laughs> I feel like this is... Is it just because he's Italian? I mean, this is just... Do you not agree I... then at all? Because, do you, for a start, do you think Sinner is mentally more advanced than Alcaraz? Light years is just a bit much, I think. I think he's getting a bit carried away with the whole Sinner bandwagon. Bear in mind, Alcaraz beat Djokovic in a Wimbledon final. 
We've got to look back. That is the one thing that I would always look back to and say, you can't say that he wasn't pretty good mentally there. Because that wasn't like a, oh, it's a wobbly Djokovic. And well, was, you, you say that though, Ben, but what's harder, to beat him in a Wimbledon final or to beat him in a semi-final of Australian Open, in which he's never lost? Well, exactly. Djokovic has lost Wimbledon final. He's never lost in Australia at the semis or a final, and Sin has done that. Exactly. That is a massive thing to put into consideration. So I'm putting it to you then. So what is harder? I think beating him in a final is probably harder. That's my personal opinion. I think him in a final, he is, hasn't he won like two thirds of the finals he's won in all of his career, Djokovic? Some ridiculous stat in Grand Slam finals. He He's just that good in Slam finals. And I think Wimbledon, that was the one that nobody expected him anyone to come close betting odds he's like 1.3 coming into the Wimbledon it's like nobody stands a chance so when Alcaraz beat him in the final there I thought wow I mean that took some serious mentality so I can see the one obviously Djokovic never ever lost an Australian Open when he's got to the semi-final and that was something in itself which was I think it's right up there with the Alcaraz one but then there's a lot of people who are out there saying Djokovic wasn't physically fully like he had a bit of flu, that type of thing. There's a few excuses when? out there during the Australian Open. No, I, I don't see many excuses. He just come up against a really good player and he just didn't perform on the day. I well, mean, he's not played a day session at the Australian Open. First time he did and he, he suffered. He just wasn't wasn't at the races. I think it was an off day for Djokovic more than anything. You've not seen him complaining about illnesses. So I think it's a bit lazy for people to jump on that bandwagon. We know he had a few issues before with the wrist, but I feel he just didn't turn up. And he probably would have lost to other players as well, who wasn't a Yannick Sinner. I mean, there was a, the way he performed, it wasn't good at all. A lot of players in the top 10 could have taken him based on that performance. The question is, was it Sinner who was bringing him down to that level? Because often you can be very critical of a player not turning up, but then you've got to look behind the net. And if someone is playing very fearless tennis, um, like Yannick Sinner did in, in Australia, it can often bring your level down quite a bit. I mean, the way he plays, especially in that final as well, you can see when he gets going, if you don't take the game to him, he will take it to you. And Medvedev tried for two sets and even a half, I would say. But as soon as he backed off, I, I watched an interesting video with Patrick Moritoglu, who's actually talking about the whole final and the way it played out. He said that what Medvedev's tactics in that final, he said for the first two sets were perfect. He went at Yannick Sinner. He closed the distance. He made it his match by playing aggressive. But he said as soon as it got to four all in the third, Medvedev's court position started to drop further and further back. And it allowed Sinner into the court. And he just started to take over all the rallies. And eventually, Medvedev couldn't even get back to the court again. He was just stuck to the back wall again, where he always is. And he's, well, his gas tank was spent on that. I put a lot of that down to fatigue. He played so much yeah. tennis and I think it was always going to be difficult for him to sustain a level where Sinner played less time on court. And seven if hours. anything, this is where I'm not really <laughs> in agreement with this quote because what the Australian Open showed to me wasn't purely the mental side. Of course, that was pretty impressive. But physically, yeah. the question marks have been always about Yannick Sinner. He's, he's, he's got a bit of a... Um, a bony kind of frame. 
he's never looked physically able to go the distance in a, in in four, four or five sets uh, or even the distance over the course of a, of a two week slam where he's getting to the second week he's then going to lose to someone but he was two sets down in the final to Medvedev and physically has shown a new level and new resolve and that is my big takeaway from from the Australian Open over the mental thing so looking at this quote this quote here I actually disagree I don't think he is mentally light years away from Yannick Sinner and in fact I put them on a very very level um par really with the with the mentality I think a good match to look at uh, would be the US Open one, which was so so close. Match maybe in past years. I mean, I think they're I think they're different though. I think they've grown up so quick. I feel like do you know when you're younger, one year is like when you're older, maybe five years. And I feel I I just wouldn't I wouldn't judge them too much based off that US Open match they played because I think they're totally different players now. They've matured yeah. to an, another realm. When you were looking at that, would you put them in the bracket of a Djokovic and a Medvedev and a Nadal? Probably there was pushing on to that, but they weren't quite there. I know Alcaraz then went on to win the US Open, but Djokovic uh, wasn't there. Um, yeah. I, I feel like probably Djokovic would have maybe won that if he, thought, if he was there, I'm being totally honest. So I just feel like they're different players. So I don't want to look too much on that. Yeah, the one thing that they do have in common though, they have both beaten Djokovic at the back end of a Grand Slam, which is not many people in their whole career can say that. Let's move on to some more statistics here. We've got Carlos Alcalaz, obviously two years younger, um, and they're saying uh, ranked number two, ATP 250 he has two, ATP 500 he has four, Masters he has four, Grand Slams two. Yannick Sinner, he has six 250s, three 500s, one Masters, and one slam, and leads the head-to-head 4-3. How do you see the rivalry playing out? Because brilliant from both, to be honest. I mean, look at those stats. I think it is generally neck and neck. Uh, The one thing I would say, which maybe people would disagree with, is I think when you pit these two against each other, I do fractionally favour Yannick Sinner now. Um, And I don't think that matters what surface either. I feel like on any of them... I favour Yannick Sinner to beat a Carlos Alcaraz by about 5%. I think it's 55% Sinner, 45 Alcaraz. That does not transpire into meaning that he's now going to win more events because there's a real possibility they'll be on the other side of the draw. They won't even have to face each other. Yeah. And I think Carlos Alcaraz, over the next 5, 10 years, will win more Grand Slams than Yannick Sinner, despite me saying that. And that is because... He will beat him from time to time. It is still pretty close. I think Sinner will win more than probably what Alcaraz will beat against him. But then there'll be a lot of times when you'll see a Sinner go out to a Medvedev or a Djokovic or some other player coming through and you'll see Alcaraz just clean up everyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no guarantee they'll always face each other in every Grand Slam to win it. And I feel the ones Carlos Alcaraz won't face him, he's going to win. Yeah, are we looking at the new... He can still win when he faces him, by the way. I still think it's tight. I just feel like I, I, I only fractionally favour Sinner. Do you think we're looking at the new one and two for the future? Yeah. The, these going to be, and we don't know in which order. I feel that they do have some similarities, and much as we want to stop comparing people to other players, 
Federer and Nadal, <laughs> this is sort of has the makings of that sort of friendship, that sort of bond they have on and off the court, quick to congratulate each other, you very that, respectful. Though, but one difference there, Ben, I'm going to in, uh, interrupt you, uh, is I don't think they were necessarily that good friends when they started. No. They, Nadal and Federer become friends later on in life. Agreed. During the, the peakness of the rivalry, they didn't always see eye to eye. No. Um, they were really fierce competitors. These Respectful. two, these two, they seem to be very chummy. And if anything, I don't like it. I would rather them be, I would rather a little bit more animosity between the two of them. And I'd rather the friendship level to not be there so much. Because I think when you have uh, the needle in sports, it makes it a little bit more interesting. I think if these two didn't necessarily get on so well, it would be a more interesting matchup for the fans. Oh, I think it will get more interesting if one of them starts to like move away and start to get much more slams than the other. Then I think that we won't see the other person being quite so nice. And I think that they'll be doing everything they can to catch the other. So I'm just hoping that we get that sort of a little bit of need or maybe there's a, a bit of a dodgy decision in one of the matches. Yeah. Maybe they accidentally hit each other with the ball. Maybe there's something like no. that. Something dodgy that just means it's one of the players wins. It just adds to the story. Do you not think, though, knowing them two now, that they are really nice, nice people? Yeah. They are generally such kind, kind souls. And I feel it's really difficult to ever see this relationship going sour because they are just very, very close. And you can, they just seem to all, they're going to get on for life, you just feel. Yeah, I mean. They're nice people. They are, yeah. They've both obviously been raised very well and they just have good personalities for, I don't know, for press conferences, the likability factor, that type of thing. People are going to have to choose between them and I feel that, as much as people will love to see him play, there's still going to be an Alcalaz fan or you're going to be a Sinner fan and we're going to still get a divide of fans, which, which is the main Which side are you thing. on more? <sighs> Who do you really... feel like yourself you could get behind more? It's really tough, to be honest, because I love them both like so, so much. The style that both of them play, it's... I'm really torn. I don't know what it is, but I... The way that Yannick Sinner's playing at the moment, it's just, it's such an attractive style of tennis. And I feel that there's just something that's changed in him, like in this past six so months. Sinner, you, is that your answer? I think so. But you just look at the way he is now compared to the way he was. He just has turned into like this absolute machine. Like you remember you were just saying, oh yeah, like his body, it doesn't like hold up. I feel it's like he's recent though, Ben. Like we're talking blocked. five months or six months. It's, yeah, but it's like he's blocked out every negative thing that was causing him to quit on a tennis court before now. Like anything that was like, you've got a blister on your foot, you've got a blister on your hand. Now I feel like his hand could be gushing blood or his feet could be falling off and he'd still run around on that tennis court and he'd win that match. That's the difference now between him then and him now. That's brilliant. <laughs> I don't know what more to say on him. He's, he's a breath of fresh air right now, Yannick Sinner. May it continue. And let's continue with the tweets. This one just highlighting, obviously, we've got the US Open 2022 as Alcalaz's win. Wimbledon 2023, Alcalaz. Sinner, 
Australian Open 2024. What will it be by the end of the season? What's so we've got three slams to go in an Olympics. Hmm. So there's four big events. How many of them four are going to be won by either of these two? I think two of them. I think two's like sensible. I feel like it's got to be two or more. I think two slams will be won. Yeah, I'll, I'll be shocked if we don't see these two, either of them, win two plus of the big four. Because we've got four events. This include the Olympics. I think okay. one of these will win the Olympics as well, bearing in mind. So that's why I'm saying. I think we'll see one slam won by either of them and one Olympics. I think Djokovic is going to have his eye so heavily on the Olympics that he may f forgive like a lot of these other tournaments. I don't know why. I feel like the slams... This year for Djokovic, I taken a back seat, and he's going to have sole focus on trying to get that Olympic title. But you say that, but do you know how passionate these two are for their countries? Yeah, Yannick Sinner's been with the Prime Minister of Italy. He's <laughs> <I know>. been, <laughs> he's been everywhere. He is the pride of that country right now. Similar with Alcaraz, you see him with the famous musician guy from Spain all the time. Yeah. He's a face in Spain now. You go, you see him in adverts, you see Sinner's face everywhere in Italy. You see it in the airports, you see it wherever you go on the front of every newspaper. I know it's fresh, yeah. he's won the Australian Open, but he is a real star there. They're both superstars in their countries and they have a lot of admiration. They always speak very highly of where they're from. I think their incentive to win for their country is at an all-time high. Considering none of them, they're so young, they've never done that before. What better achievement i think in sport than is to win have a gold medal for your country that is a special thing you know like in football to represent your country to get a cap and to play in the world cup is massive i feel like it's a bit similar with these two and they're going to want to put so much into that so don't Whoa. dismiss it i know it can be there can be certain players who necessarily don't care so much about the olympics and well, i could probably name quite a few of them inside the top 20 who i think are not interested these two aren't one of them well i can guarantee you that there will be a lot of Italians now travelling over to the Olympics just to watch him play and cheer on Yannick well, Sinner. That's true, yeah. Because yeah, the Italians, the there'll one be thing... a lot. There'll be a lot of Italian flags. Be, he'll be the most supported player at the Olympics, I think. And this is one good thing for tennis, I think, that we may not have had before. Because obviously it was great. Yeah, I mean, we had the Fanini fans. It was like... They, we're cheering him on, but you sort of don't ever think he's really going to win. But with Yannick Sinner, now you've got the Italian fans who are rowdy and there's someone who can win as well. Like, this I mean, is we the... are in France, so there will be a lot of French fans, but I can't see if, I don't know which, where they're going to be there for Benoit, Benoit Paire. <laughs> well, Montpellier, when we spoke to him, he said he wants to, that's his aim for the year is to get into yeah, the Olympics. That would be awesome. I'd love to see Montpellier be in for a shot with a medal, but I think it's a big ask. Yeah, it definitely is. But, so we're both going for, we reckon the two titles will probably be... At least two, at least two. Let us know in the comment section what you guys think. Yeah, uh, do we get a pat on the back or is it a bit too obvious that we both pick Sinner to win a slam this year? Mm, bit obvious. Bit obvious, damn. Right, all uh, right. Maybe it, it wasn't to... obvious. I don't know. It's a tough one, but he's just been so good the last six months. I know you were saying it, but he's turned a corner and you could maybe say the best player in the world over the last few months because he's beaten Djokovic, who's playing extremely well. A few times now. Not just yeah. it's not been a fluke, is it? He's beaten Medvedev in finals quite a few times now. He's beaten these players on the regular. He's beaten Alcaraz, I think, even in this period. 
he's not lost to these players either. Even I know he lost to he lost to Djokovic, didn't he, in the Tour Finals final, but still a good performance from him. I mean, he's just not losing. He's not. He doesn't. He looks very. Un, he looks unplayable, quite frankly. Yeah, and I'm... it's these things do come to an end. I'm going to put everyone needs to just keep their feet grounded. We remember Medvedev when he was in that period of like looking a bit unplayable. Djokovic has had these runs before. Ego on the women's. They do come to an end. And yeah. his will do. And he will see a dip for sure. But now he's he's cementing himself as one of the best. So it's great. Well, it's good for that. We needed it. We needed some more players who can be winning these slabs. We've teed me up nicely for the next one. Talking about him winning. Um, his current win-loss record against current top 10 players. Uh, no, sorry, let me read that again. Win-loss record of the current top 10 players <laughs> against top five in the last 52 weeks. Sinner is 14 wins, four losses, which is right at the top. Alcala has six wins, four losses. Djokovic, seven wins, five losses. And then we go to the rest. Medvedev, four wins, seven losses. Runa, three wins, six losses. Zverev, four wins, ten losses. Fritz, one win, four loss. Herkatch, one and six. Rublev, one and seven. And Tsitsipas, right at the bottom, zero and five. So just to clarify, this is the top five players. Yeah, so that is Against him. the top five players. The yeah, top ten against, against the top five. Yep. And um, the real winners, of course, is Alcaraz, Djokovic and Sinner. No surprises. They're the best three. Medvedev, I think he'll be slightly disappointed. It should have been, for me, he should be a win-loss all the time. He should be pretty even. A five and a five would be more like a Medvedev at where his level's at. Runa's been, that's pretty impressive, but he's shown that he rises against the top. And I've got nothing positive to say about Stefano Sissipas at all. And I see him, I was very close to putting him, in, putting him outside my top ten. Um, but the way I see this season playing out, he wasn't that bad at the Australian Open. It's going to be a big ask for him to even finish inside the top 10 because I just don't see him beating the big players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's one of those, isn't he? It just, his season could pick up. He's normally good in Australia. He didn't have a, his best Australian wasn't Open. not that bad, though. It's fourth round, wasn't it? So, oh. But on to the next one. This one is service hold percentage in the last 52 weeks of current, uh, current top 10 players versus all the players than versus the top 10 players. So this is another one. You can see who's near the top again. So Herkatch is top with 88.9 versus all players and 88.4 versus top 10. And Sinner in second there with 88.8 .8 and 88. I mean, that is, he's at the top of the stats. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you go. Sinner's right there. At and the what's top. this it's... one, sorry? Go up. And this one is like... Service sir... hold percentage. Yeah. He doesn't get broken, does he? Her catch no. is incredible. Sinner very good. And you can see that he's consistent. Doesn't matter who he plays. He can he can consistently hold his serve yep. against 100 in the world and a top 10 player. Yeah. Which I think I mean... is amazing. Like, it's such a difficult thing to do. You can see... The real top players are able to do it. Her catch is, is really good. Sinner, Djokovic, Zverev's stats are quite good. Alcaraz uh, and Medvedev. For me, it highlights again, Sissipas Fritz have really good serves. They have really good serves. But what are they doing against the, weak, uh, against the better players? They yep. can't seem to hold their serve. I think that is because they simply don't serve as well against them players because it's a mental thing. Yep, I would definitely agree with that. It's, it, it completely drops off, doesn't it? Yep. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. They always probably seem to be in Djokovic's side of the draw when they get to play him in slams. And then the mental side sort of 
falls apart. Right, on to the next one. Um, this is Ollie has been put, putting out a load. So nice one, Ollie, for all of these stats. Uh, saying, just realized this. Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner's respective wins at Wimbledon 2023 and the Australian Open 2024 marks the first time that at least uh, two out of the last three majors were won by players not named Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, Murray or Wawrinka since 2003 US Open to 2004 Roland Garros. 20 years ago yeah yeah it's incredible we spoke about at the start actually uh the fact that what is a harder thing to do to beat Djokovic at the Australian Open semi-final or him in a Wimbledon final they're two places where we've seen the big three dominate yeah add maybe Wawrinka Murray but the big players dominate them ones no one's been anywhere near near it the US Open's a little bit of a wild card one and um I mean, you could probably say beating Rafael Nadal, Roland Garros is another one you could throw in there because you don't. You only see the big players win Roland Garros as well. Yeah. None of them have done that yet. And that's the one which, of course, we're counting down to. So the next Grand Slam is Roland Garros. And this tournament is won by two players, I would say. I'm not going to give anyone else any credit. It is won by Djokovic and Nadal. Pretty much Nadal. Maybe one player and a half. Yes. I'm I'll give Djokovic because I think in the last four years he's won it twice. So, I mean, yeah, out of all the players, he's probably the one who can give Nadal the best run for his money there for sure. But it's still a... If Nadal's on his game, it's nearly an impossible task. I'm just is gonna... he favourite, Ben? Is Rafael Nadal favourite for this Roland Garros? He needs to get back on court and start No, but is he us... your favourite right now? No. Rafael is Nadal... He, is he a top five contender to win Roland Garros? Yes. Always. Top, go on then, give me your top five right now as we're talking. Um, well, it will be <laughs> Djokovic, Alcaraz. I'm not in any order, by okay. the way. Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Rafa. So uh, Rafa's your fourth. So you put Rafa ahead of Medvedev. Yeah. Like ahead of Rublev? This is Zverev, I think I'd have Zverev. in there as five. Yeah. I'll throw him in there. I mean, if he plays, if it, well, he's getting back to his best. We keep saying it. He's so you do really good. rate Rafa highly this year. You think he's going to do well at Roland Garros? Yeah, let's see how his warm-up tournaments go first. And then as long as there's no mishaps, then yeah, for sure. Where did we see him last against Thompson? In Melbourne. That impressed you, did it? Well, Sydney, where was it? Where, Bris where was Brisbane, it? was it? Brisbane. Yeah, I mean... It was a close match. Thompson played very well, but I don't, he was still warming up, Rafa. We can't really look too much into it. Let's flick through these last Sinner stats because there are plenty of them. Uh, Sinner has won 10 out of his last 11 matches against top five players. I think we sort of yeah, knew that. We spoke from... about this, but this is, this is what makes him so good, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And you can see you the can't, names. You can't not the... talk about him right now. He's unavoidable. But you take us through this next one and this is uh tony nadal says yannick sinner lacked an important victory but after winning the australian open he will definitely be carlos alcaraz's main rival for years to come uh do you want to take us through what he yeah. said so when a player's shots are no longer enough to win he has no choice but to resort to tactics but medvedev didn't even have a choice the italian's power and precision completely destroyed him once the Sinner and Medvedev match was over, I commented on the match with my children. I fear that this big and significant step could change the landscape of tennis in the coming years. Although Sinner had long been considered Alcalaz's most likely rival, he lacked a, a victory of that magnitude to back it up. 
He will be our tennis player's biggest rival in the coming years. Yeah. Definitely. Big, big words, but do you agree with everything he said there? Yeah, well, completely. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better. I, I think he just was lacking that big one victory. Um, you could say if he would have won Turin, it would have come, but I still feel like a Grand Slam is bigger than the Tour Finals. So you need to like, if you win a Grand Slam, that now you can be considered. And it wasn't like a fluke of a Grand Slam because he beat the two best players there. Yeah. Maybe right. maybe a bit harsh on Alcaraz, but I thought Medvedev was so good that in, in, this year and Djokovic is Djokovic. So amazing the way he beat them. And now we are going to be looking at over the next 10 years, I think they are the big two players to beat. And Runa is not at that level. Let's pull his socks up. Not there. He's, needs yeah. to, he just withdrew from another tournament uh, this week. I believe it was against Borna Chorich. So hopefully he doesn't have uh, too bad an injury. This is another thing. He needs to play catch-up right now. He seems to be good in a best of three, but not so good in the best of five. Last one uh, before we move on to latest news. And people who won a Grand Slam final on their first attempt since the year 2000. And he makes a nice little list here. We've got Safin, Hewitt, Johansson, Costa, Federer, Roddick, Gaudio, Nadal, Del Pocho, Vavrinka, Cilic, Alcalaz, and Sinner. Sorry, I don't get the stat. Well, won the Grand Slam final on their first attempt. Oh, final, attempt. okay. Yeah. Understood. Yeah, so nice company to be in there. Look at those. That's a fine list. Yeah, so I, was, I was looking at this. I think Federer won his first four. <sighs> or something. Ridiculous. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, was, I, I was watching uh, the other night and it just uh, Nadal Federer came on from the Australian Open in 2017. Yeah, I saw it. it keeps oh, coming up. It keeps popping on. Yeah. Brilliant. And I was just sat there and I was just mesmerized. I just thought, hopefully we get back to that type of level of slam final between these two as well, because that was something else. Like we, when those two meet. We kind of did see a glimpse of that at that US Open one a few years ago, but we've not seen them two playing now. And I would love to see them play at Roland Garros against each other. I don't think that is the optimal surface for them both to have that the, the big one. No. I think it would be better to see them both battle it out at the US Open this year. I'd I think, or even, to be fair, even at Wimbledon, I think that would be an amazing match. Alcaraz Sinner at Wimbledon would be so good this year because Alcaraz would have learnt a lot from the time he beat him there. And I think he's, of, of course, what he's a champion at Wimbledon. Raining. So you've got a lot of different dynamics to feed in. And I think Alcaraz will be very well equipped to deal with Sinner. And we're going to see a very tight match if we are to get it, of course. Would be a great final. Oh yeah, I actually, I know this sounds a little bit strange, but I actually watching it, I was just like really missed Federer watching that. I was like, wow, just because it seems like so so long since we actually watched him in full flow. Watching that, it was just just mesmerizing. Watching that single hander and the forehand, and yeah, I only wish that we had somebody like him come back on the tour or some a new person with that type of style. Just was very refreshing. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> miles away from Roger Federer. Sorry, Lorenzo. Rossetti's good, man. He is good, but he's not quite uh, not quite there yet. Uh, I'll jump on the bandwagon if he can conjure up some Roger Federer form for sure, though. 
Right. Anyway, let's move on to latest news. Right, here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, latest news and the first story up is Saudi Arabia announcing that they will receive a six King Slam event in Riyadh with Djokovic, Nadal, Adkanasina, Medvedev and Runa in October in the middle of the ATP season. Format and specific dates to be announced later. Um, what is the first comment on this? I'm interested to see if it's the same one I saw earlier. Just scroll down. Oh. Is there a funny comment on there? Uh, <laughs> everyone's just digging out Runa. It's not what I was looking for. Let's go off. I thought that was Runa. what I was going to be. <laughs> Come on, Runa, Runa is the sick. Could, would you reckon Rublev should be there instead of Runa? It's a tough one, isn't it? What about Zverev? I don't know. There's a lot of people there probably knocking, knocking on the door. Yeah. But Runa probably sort of next in line, I think. I mean, he's he's close, but he's. I mean, just we're not saying that, there. but he probably would beat Rafa right now. We don't know what Ra- what Rafa to expect. I don't know. He's Especially in October, he'd be exhausted after just winning Roland Garros and the Olympics. Yeah, for sure, and the US Open. <laughs> 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 well, he's got to twenty-five slams. But What's yeah. your view on all of this? Do you think it's a little bit like the Super League in football? The money coming in, and they're getting all the big players there, putting them all together. They don't have to get through dirt and events. They're just putting all the best players against each other. Is it? Does it have that European Super League's type of feel in football? Everyone's against where you've got a basically elitist competition where only the best players can be in. Be in there. I don't know. That's just an, I'm throwing it out there. Well, I was going to say to you. I love it. <laughs> and, I'm like, and when do we book our tickets to go to Saudi? That's what I was going to say because I look at it and I think I'm not mad at it because I actually like what uh, they're doing over there by giving people some sporting events that people actually want to go and watch. And there's a lot of sporting events around the world that nobody wants to go and watch. And there's tons of them. This is one. Pe- they put the money down and people will go and watch this. Guaranteed, this will be packed and you won't be able to get tickets for it. It will be full capacity. It'll be like the boxing events as well. Everything. They seem to be injecting what, money into it. What is it? An exhibition? I don't know, but I'm excited because of all of those players. But go there. up. Didn't they say ATP is sanctioning it? Uh, oh, no, it's not going to be. No, it's, I, I don't know. So. It just seems to oh, me it's, it's like it's going to be an exhibition yeah. where they're just throwing millions and millions of pounds at it. And I don't know. I'm not going to pass too much comment yet because I'm going to give it a chance and see how it goes. And like you say, of course, it will be a great spectacle. I'm sure they do do, do things quite well there. And we do get to see the best players play. So, interested to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that just thinks that there is going to be a change in tennis coming at some point with the that format and different styles. We've seen UTS and that's sort of picking up a little bit. We may see some other formats tested as well. And these players 
I mean, everyone wants to watch the best players. And if there's going to be a tournament which is going to earn them maybe a lot of money and they will be competing at their full capacity, then I'm all for it. I could watch Djokovic versus Sinner or Djokovic Alcaraz or Sinner Alcaraz. But isn't this fight. just what the tour finals is at the end of the year? Pretty much. So yeah. you're going to have the tour finals <laughs> one month early. <laughs> no, but, but there might be different rules. It might, no be like, it might be different rules or something. There might be like a different element to it that makes it more exciting. Let's wait and see. I the Labour Cup, I don't really enjoy, so hopefully it's better than that. Yeah, get rid uh, of that. <laughs> next <laughs> one. Well, this one, I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say about this one. And unfortunately, Daniel Medvedev has withdrawn from Rotterdam. Says, unfortunately, I have uh, to pull out of Rotterdam after an incredibly tough and long run in Australia. My body, especially my right foot, not recovered enough yet to play and come and defend my title. I love playing in Rotterdam, have a long history with the event and look forward to coming back uh, in 2025. Do you read anything more into this other than just fatigue? Not at all. I mean, I don't know what you what what you're thinking. I'm gonna not like this. Well, I think I've missed your point. I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, we know what happened after he lost from two sets up against Rafa. Oh, okay. There was a bit of a he went off the bandwagon a little bit, and he maybe I don't blame him either. I would say like he probably needs some time away just to actually like collect his thoughts after a defeat like that again. This is. His fifth defeat in a slam final as well. Some people I've heard saying, is he the next Andy Murray? Which is a bit harsh because I think like harsh on Andy Murray a little bit as well. I feel I like he, got he, can hold, he can hold his head so high. He played really well and he created a great final. I've, I've got only great things to say about Medvedev, honestly. And afterwards, he wasn't that downbeat. He said, maybe I might reflect in a week's time and it's going to really sink in and hit me and I'm going to be upset. And he did acknowledge the fact that after losing to Nadal from two sets up, he had a ter- one of his worst seasons on tour. But he said he feels a bit more positive. He doesn't feel the same feeling. He said he received so many texts from people around him. He said he's got a great circle. He's got a great family. He's got a, a daughter now. And he's in a really good place mentally with his tennis. Physically, he's looking great. And I just don't think we're going to see the lull we saw after the Rafa one. So I'm not reading into this at all. And I'm expecting him to have a really good season still. And I don't think he can take be upset at all with what happened losing that Australian Open final. He he gave everyone such a great final and such a great event. And he I think he's a fantastic player and a gr- and great for the sport. I am brilliant for the sport. I am I am a bit of a Medvedev fan. Definitely, I think I, I, he, he's one of the few. He's one of the players on tour I actually will always support. I really do like him. It was unfortunate he come up against Yannick Sinner and the Italian roots there, but it was a bit of a win-win for me. I mean, if Sinner was to lose, I wouldn't be mad that it was Medvedev. Is he going to be facing a bit of a mental block against Yannick Sinner though? In his next time he plays him, that's now four in a row that he's lost to Yannick Sinner. Okay, same happened with Alcaraz. He didn't look like he was going to get anywhere near beating Alcaraz, and all of a sudden he's turned that around. Now he's been beating him. So I think we can see it go the other way. Medvedev's very smart. He's got good tennis IQ. He makes adjustments. And if something's not quite working against the player, he makes the right adjustment and gets there. Great athlete, great competitor. And let's be honest, Ben, he was close to beating Sinner. I mean, if he didn't if he didn't play so much before that, I think he could have closed it out in three. Yeah, I love him. I think he's. So I wouldn't read into it. No. I think that he is. He's a different 
different personality, something that the sport needs. We need more people who are going to have a personality on the tour because there are... It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he might have an outburst here and there, but who cares? And he may sometimes wear his heart on his sleeve and say things maybe it doesn't even mean, but it doesn't. that just adds to who he is. I think that he does get a little bit of negativity from the crowd, but he plays into it. I like him. I think that hopefully doesn't allow that to affect him moving forward and we get to see him in another slam final soon yeah. right last but not least on the news and this is someone who is doing great and not feeling the blues emma raducanu back to winning ways she beats uh, marie boskova uh, this is in Abu Dhabi. There is the Mubadaba Open, which is on at the moment. And she will now be facing, listen to this for a second round match, Ons Jabur in the second round. This is a superstar matchup. I cannot wait for this one. And do you think this is a winnable one for Radu Kanu, JG? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a nice draw. Um, I think Ons Jabur is certainly a winnable match for her. It depends, of course, what Ons Jabur turns up. You'd hope a better one than we saw at the Australian Open. She looked very, very lacking fitness, to be honest, in the Australian Open match against Mira Andreva. This one is going to be tight, but then I'm not really getting behind this Raducanu returning hype yet. I'm not seeing enough. We see flashes of some good tennis from her. Um, really good. To I don't know. really have. I don't have much positive to say, so I'd rather just not say anything at all. So. She looks very good today. Both yeah, she was okay. I mean, she was down a break in the first set, came back, won at six four, and then bread sticked her in the second set. It was a pretty convincing win, and I feel like Jabir's really good though when she plays over in like Abu Dhabi and uh, in and around that part of the world. Though I remember seeing in the Middle her. East. Yeah, she's just really good over there, and she those courts suit her game and. I feel that she gets a lot of support over there as well. So I think this will be a really tough match for Raducanu. I'm not sure if she will beat Jabir. I feel that Jabir may up her Who's level. Who's favourite for him? Jabir, I believe, just. Yeah, but I personally think Ons Jabir will win the match. That's my prediction. But I think it's... Um, I'm, I'm, all for, I'm all for Emma coming back and playing really well. I'd love to see her make a run. And I know she spoke today saying how her real ambitions to get back and win a WTA uh, title. Great to hear. But now I'd like to see, like, let's actually see. It's great saying all these words in press conferences, but let's see, put the work in and play it. Play some more events. See it. Progress. Fight for it. That's all I want to really, I don't know what more to say positively. Just not seen enough. It's been disappointing. <laughs> Hard man to please. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the tennis shootout, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, tennis shootout time. Me versus Ben. We're both going to ask each other a question related to Roland Garros. We have 30 seconds to answer. And we're going to see if we can get them right. I mean, you've been beating me very well on these ones. I think I do I do better with the predictions. You do better with the trivia and the quizzes. So let's see if you can keep that run going. Uh, we know you love a good pub quiz. So maybe all your experience coming in there. That's it. Uh, no all them better. years of being in a pub. That's it. I'm good at darts. I'm good at pool. And I'm good at quizzes. Not sneaker though. No, no. That's too technical for me. <laughs> Not enough beer involved in that one. 
No. But yeah, I've got my question prepared. I don't know if you've got one ready. You've got one. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I can go first if you want. So. Go on then. Is there music or we do it yeah, afterwards? I've got a, yeah, I've got a music in there. Okay. <laughs> plunked, plunked one in there a second ago. Okay, so Roland Garros is approaching and the king of Roland Garros is one player. You know I'm going to be asking you about him. It is oh. Rafael Nadal. Um, he has played 115 matches at Roland Garros and he's got a record of 112 wins. And only three losses, which gives him a 97.4% win record. Um, Just pause for the audience there just to take that in. (laughs) (laughs) My question to you, though, is in all of them victories, Ben, how many top 10 wins has he had at Roland Garros? Go. Right. I'll press the song. There we go. Right. How many top 10 wins? 115 matches, 112 wins, three losses. How many top 10 wins at the time when they played? This is a great question because I don't really have any clue. So it's going to be a complete stab in the dark. And I'm going to go for... I reckon it's probably quite high as well. I reckon there's probably... It's going to be about a third, I reckon. I'm going to go with... So what's about a third of about... So we're going to be looking at about... I'm gonna go with about thirty. I'm gonna go. Uh, I guess it. I'm gonna go bang on thirty actually. Bang on thirty. So a third would be that's ninety. So that's ninety matches. So a third of one fifteen. I can give you the official thing if you want to do it quickly. I don't want to do exactly a third. I'm a third is thirty-eight point three. No, that's too many. I'm gonna go with thirty. Okay, final answer. I yes. can confirm. <laughs> That is very close, Ben. It's not 30. The answer is 32. Oh, my So age. pretty good thinking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 32 victories. And I'm just looking through there. There's quite a few Roger Federer's, quite a few David Ferrez. A few Djokovic. <laughs> and a few Djokovic. And the Casper Ruud was the last one. Well, that was the easiest one. There's a bagel in there. Well, there's a bagel for Djokovic as well. There we so go. I mean, it's a difficult one to get right exactly. Not, but bad. Not bad. I think that was pretty good. Power of, powers of deduction. I just thought around that, you're probably going to be meeting You're basically around. right, I think. It's I close enough. That cut to you kind of, kind of thing. Sort of. Maybe half a point. Um, right. So we go on to my question next. And as you know... Uh, my questions, oh, they're, they're it's crackers. It's always about the past. It's always about the past. But how far into the past will this one Before be? I'm born. I hear you ask. Well, in 2023. Okay. <laughs> Thank God for that. So last year, there was only one unseeded player in the men's quarterfinal. Who was it? I don't remember last year's. I don't remember at all, Ben. Oh, you're going to have to think. Someone sort of came to the forefront. So Djokovic won. Yeah. Who was the unseeded player there who did like really well? Going to kick yourself. Is it Offner? I feel like it might be (laughs) Offner. No, (laughs) it wasn't Offner. So he's unseeded. Someone who I know. 
Oh, mate, I can't. I, I, this is so annoying because it is going to really... It's, it's going to really bother me, isn't it? It will really bother you, yeah. Uh, it's someone that you will know. Oh. Think of someone who came to the forefront last oh, year. so annoying. I can't think, man. I, I don't know, man. Pedro Cashin. I don't know who it is, so go on. <laughs> <laughs> you were going down the right path. It's not, though. It is Thomas Martin Echeverri. Oh, okay, yeah. I knew it was going to be like, yeah, that's it. So, not... Cash in. Not... I had a feeling cash in, Sarundalo, Echeverri. You threw an okay. Argentine out there. Yeah. You just threw the wrong one. That was all. Cash in was going to be the one I just threw in. I knew he, had, he was playing all right, but it's not him. Yeah, Echeverri. I know he's got a good ranking now as well, but Echeverri does as well. Yeah, Seeded I guess it was player, between them says. two. That's okay. what I mean. That was he was he was unseeded then, and since then he's been a seed. So yeah. in tournaments, so that was my one. Anyway, not so old. Half that point one. for the Argentinian. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> quarter of a point. <laughs> we'll shave right. it off. But yeah, I think that that is pretty much uh, it for this week's episode. I mean, we've sort of we went on and on and on about Yannick Sinner, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him more in coming weeks as well. Make sure if you are only just listening to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review uh, on either of them. And if you aren't joined us on there yet, make sure to do it now. Yeah. Let's end with one question each. And the question is, Ben, how, who's going to have more Grand Slams in 10 years' time, Yannick Sinner or Carlos Alcalaz? In 2034, when I ask you on this a podcast during another Countdown episode, um, about how well they've played. What they're going to know? Going to know how many slams they've got? Who's going to have more? Alcalaz. I agree. Let's end on that one. That's all your <laughs> thoughts in the comments section. Like and subscribe. Download our download download us on Spotify and give us a review. And we'll see you very soon for some more tennis action. Adios. (laughs) Ciao, ciao. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.